Ultimate Lane Kick is live. It is Thursday night, December 15th, year of our Lord 2022. As Mima used to always say, if you don't have something nice to say, make sure it's trashing a college football player and make sure it's anonymous. We certainly wouldn't want names attributed to baseless slander this time of year, would we? What am I talking about? We'll get into it in just a couple of minutes. We're jam-packed. High atop a surprisingly tranquil and clear downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It just forgot to rain today. I'm sure it'll be back. Shane Beamer's been hot. It's been a little spicy up there in Columbia, South Carolina. Why is that? Some of you have been busy with other things. I will fill you in and I'll play the sound for you. And then we can all just judge together, shall we? Jalen Carter, just being anonymously trashed. It's that time of year. You know, it's the time of year where guys who we've watched from high school get their first look by the NFL draft mock community and all of a sudden they make up some things and they don't put their name next to it. And that's okay because on shows like this, we do make claims, but we do put our name next to them. And when you don't traffic in such behavior, you're going to get called out and we got to do it tonight. Uh, Portal Intel, I've got three or four more names for you. I've also got something to watch in the world of the transfer portal. Something's happening right now. You won't have to wait too long for it. Uh, but just, I want you to be ahead of the curve. Kind of like we were about Miami. And we will talk about Miami recruiting. Another just a, whoosh, just a huge splash earlier today. You probably saw it if you were on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. If you're not, highly advise you subscribe. Or else you're going to have to wait three hours and find out from me. And who wants to do that? Also got bold predictions tonight. We are so jam-packed for a Thursday night in mid-December. Why would you go anywhere else? I don't know. They're watching us in Clarksville, Tennessee. Clovis, New Mexico. The rare New Mexico check-in. Lexington, Oklahoma is tuned in. And Easley, South Carolina is tuned in. As I straighten up my lav mic here, I also want to let you know that um, we don't take breaks. So uh, we're not going to do a show like on Christmas Day. We're not sadists. But I have some interesting programming coming up for you are just around the corner, just around the river bend, as Pocahontas would say. And uh, it's going to involve some normal shows, predictions, because we have bowl season and playoffs coming up. But also, I've got some long-form content, some interviews, not interviews, really, some conversations with some people. Uh, if you were around when we hit 150,000 subscribers, I put the challenge out to you. You guys suggested some names. Well, hey, we went and locked them down. Plural, yes, them. So we have more than one. Uh, those will drop somewhere between now and the end of the college football season, which contrary to popular belief, has not happened yet. We're still in the season. Let's dive in to tonight's show, shall we? Where was I going to start? We got a lot of topics on the show tonight, and yet there's not one clear lead. And so I just went with the one I had the most, the most um, locked-in feelings about. So here we go. Colin, here's your end point. I know a lot of you have been busy living your lives and whatnot, and you probably haven't had a lot of time to pay attention to what's been going on in Columbia, South Carolina. But this happens to be my life, so I've got all the time in the world to pay attention to things like Shane Beamer and things like the offensive coordinator search there in Columbia. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, I'm a Washington fan. Like, I'm a USC fan. What do I care about South Carolina's offensive coordinator search? Well, the answer in and of itself may be, you don't care a whole lot, but the trimmings, you may not care about the tree, but the trimmings around said tree, the ornaments on that tree, it's gotten pretty interesting up there. It's gotten pretty spicy. Uh, Shane Beamer, for the record, hired Dowell Logans as the offensive coordinator. 
comes to Columbia by way of Arkansas. He was the tight end coach there. So again, as, as much as I credit him and we, we, we golf clap him, that's wonderful. That's really not been the big takeaway from, from this little ordeal. So here's what I want to do. I, I'm going to have Colin tee up some sound for you. This is earlier this week, and I told you 24 hours ago I was going to talk about this tonight. As it turns out, we're leading the show with it. Shane Beamer meets with the media there in Columbia, and boy, did he have some things to say. Let's roll it. People that are in the profession know about Dow Loggins. So I read your article this morning, Gene, and that's great. I'm sure in your research, you did more than just say, well, I haven't heard of that guy before. Let me see what his stats said. Oh, well, he had a run as a coordinator in the NFL that maybe wasn't as successful that he wanted, so he must not be very good. Surely you did more research than that, Gene. And it's not just Gene, it's a lot of people. So surely everybody that wants to critique every hire that we make here, I'm sure you guys knew that Dow Loggins turned down a coordinator job in the SEC last year, correct? Everybody knew that, right? I'm sure you guys know that I'm the fourth SEC head coach that's reached out to him in the last two weeks about coming to work for him. So we were fortunate to hire Dow Loggins. Yep. Okay. Uh, just, just a little random straw poll that I'm not going to have time to see the results from. What do you think I thought about that? Knowing me like you do, what do you think I thought about that? I have several thoughts. Uh, it's going to make me sound... I guess a little conflicted. So here's the first thing you need to know. I'm a Shane Beamer guy. I like him. And in this case, I empathize with him. Because if you've watched this program for any length of time, you know that that might as well have been me. I, I speak like that. I phrase things like that. So I'm certainly not mad at the style there of Shane Beamer. But Shane Beamer finds himself in what we would call a classic conundrum. And that classic conundrum is the kind where you can be both right and wrong all at the same time. How does that happen? Your teachers probably taught you it's impossible. Well, in the real world, it is impossible. But friends, this is college football. This is not the real world. And it is possible for Shane Beamer to absolutely have more access to information than you and I do about a hire. And he could have infinitely more football knowledge. In fact, I would argue he's probably forgotten more about football than most of the people in that room. No disrespect to the room. It's just respect to the position of a head coach. He could be in that position. He could know a lot more about Dowell Logans than anyone else does. He could have absolutely thoroughly vetted the guy and all those things could be true. And yet the approach could still be, I'm not going to say wrong, but at the very least unwise. And here is why. Second quote from Meemaw already tonight. Meemaw used to tell me all the time, make what other people think about you none of your business, Joshua. She was a full name kind of gal. And so she's right. I didn't know it at the time, but boy, she was right. Because here's how this is going to go down, okay? Dowell Logans may flame out after a year. He may be a wild success story there in Columbia. The standard is different for Shane Beamer. The standard is different for head coaches. Why do all those folks and all the fans in the stands and online and on message boards, why do they get to have opinions and run their mouth? It's because they make 48 grand a year. It's because they don't make seven figures a year. It's because they're not entrusted to run a program. Is it fair? Actually, they would argue it's more than fair and it wouldn't really matter what you say in return. But here's the thing about that. You don't get to be wrong. They get to be wrong all the time. 
Now, you know that on this show, I rarely ever question play calling. I rarely ever question hires. It's because I am acutely aware that what Shane Beamer just said is true, even about me. I don't have access to the information he has access to. I don't have the football mind that he does, and most of these other head coaches, I say most, because even I think that there are a couple out there I could go toe-to-toe with. But real talk, I know that. So I personally don't choose to traffic in the criticism game, but that's okay. A lot of other people do. That's your prerogative. If I were to traffic in it, and I blasted this hire, and it turns out that he nailed it, guess what happens? I don't have to atone for my incorrect statement. I don't have to atone for any failed prediction, nor do they. They can go 0 for 10. Guess what's going to happen tomorrow morning? They're going to show right back up and park in the same parking spot and walk to the same desk and type out in the same computer what they just whiffed on 10 other times because that's the game. However, you don't get to whiff. Shane Beamer doesn't get to whiff. He hires the right guy this time, that's all well and good. He's eventually gonna have to make more hires. And the same ones that blasted him for this one, even if they turn out to be wrong, are saving that sound. And somewhere down the road, because you're not a made man in this sport yet, there's really only one or two, to be honest, somewhere down the road, they're either going to pull out that ax that they have to grind against you, or they're just gonna flat out pull out the sound and say, man, remember when this guy thought he was gonna school us? Remember when this guy thought he was gonna teach us a thing or two? My how the turntables, as Michael Scott would say, it's going to happen. It's, it's just a matter of when, it's not a matter of if. And so I listened to that. And at very first I said, good for Shane Beamer, now go get him. If they wanna turn that sword on you, turn it right back around on them. Just a jab in the ribs, just a flesh wound. We're not looking to inflict serious damage here. But I know where this is going. I hope he does. Uh, But I know where this is going. And look, uh, Shane Beamer's not the only one that gets his hires criticized. Let's be real about this. The guy's overachieved two years in a row. So that, that same group of folks predicted him to win a certain amount of games. He's won more than that amount two years in a row. He should be up on them two zip. He's not because that's not how this game works. It's like a reset button. It's hit every day. Shane Beamer's doing okay at South Carolina right now, but he's not a made man. Nick Saban is. Dabo probably is. Outside of that, Harbaugh is. I don't think we have more made men in this sport right now. Made, meaning you truly can just say whatever you want to. I mean, within the realm of realism, you can say whatever you want to, and you are just immune. You, at that point, are Teflon. Well, there are very, very few of those in our sport. And uh, Shane Beamer's not one of them, but that's okay. I I would argue that hardly any of his peers are either. It's going to come back to bite you. You got to learn to swallow that criticism. You you may have thin skin. Hey, I got got news for you. Um, The iJosh here, if it could talk, it would tell you a lot of coaches have thin skin. Jesse knows. Colin knows. Because I tell him. Um, Yeah, sometimes. When we speak about coaches on this show, there are a lot of coaches out there who claim they never watch these shows and never listen to these shows and never read that work out there that get in touch with you just like that when you mention their name. I don't mind that because normally I can back up what I say and it, it hardly ever gets truly contentious. But they have thin skin too. They just don't always address it publicly. Um, the, the right way to do it is to go to Gene, for example, one-on-one. I'm not sure he didn't do that, but I would just... I would just head Gene off at the past there. Gene, here's what I have to say to you. I'm not going to say it in front of all of them in the world. Here's what I have to say to you. Now, I am wise enough to know 
If Shane Beamer is worth his salt as a head coach, he shouldn't be taking advice from me, but I'm going to offer it anyway. Please, please, Shane. We'll eventually have you on the show so we can talk about this face to face, but please make what they think about you none of your business. Life is so much easier that way, and that's doubly true when it comes to running a major college football program. Let that be a lesson to all of you. Academy Sports and Outdoors, lesson number two, is where you need to be. Today, now, and forever, but especially in the Christmas season, you gotta buy stuff. Don't penny pinch. Go, do, do your due diligence. Do the deeds you have to do as a good aunt or uncle or mother or father or cousin. I don't know your family situation, but I do know that these folks can help you no matter what kind of situation you're in. And eventually, sometime late December 24th, when I decide to head out in the dead of night to find Colin and Jesse a little trinket for Christmas, Academy Sports and Outdoors is going to be there for me. And I don't know if I'm going to aisle shop for them or if it'll be one of those checkout line specials. But little side note here, some of the stuff that you see in the checkout line at Academy Sports and Outdoors is still pretty impressive and really off the wall. In fact, I think they put their best variety in the checkout line. Now that is not copy that they gave me because they certainly want you to walk all the way in the store, but I, firsthand experience. Like I've, I've got what I've got for you. Academy.com is your fail safe. If you can't get there in person, it is your fail safe. So if you, if you fancy yourself paint state material, then there's really no question where you need to be this time of year. Academy Sports and Outdoors has you set. Did you wake up this morning expecting big news? Not transfer portal news, although we, we got some of that. Not commitment news, although we got some of that. And we are going to talk about it all in due time this evening. I appreciate you guys being tuned in. No, we got, um, we got some breaking news earlier today that, as best I could tell, kind of went by the wayside. Like, Jesse and Colin, did you see a big deal made about what I'm about to talk about today? I, Colin says he didn't even know. And so, in fairness, Colin lives in the control room these days. So, I'm going to talk about it here uh, because I think something's going on that you really care about because I know that you DM me about it all the time. So, here we go. Did you know the NCAA got a new president today, or at least they named a new president? Maybe you heard rumblings about it or whispers about it. Charlie Baker. Who? Where is he the AD? Uh, he's not. He is the current governor of Massachusetts. I told Jesse, hey, I, I, I peruse a fair amount of political talk, but I did not know Charlie Baker's full resume. Jesse hooked me up. 66-year-old governor of Massachusetts, did not seek re-election, so he's about to be free and clear to do whatever he wants. Harvard grad, Northwestern grad, zero collegiate administrative experience. What does the NCAA say to that resume? You're our guy. Come fix college sports. I expect no more from the NCAA than that. I know you think the phrasing is no less. Mm -mm, no. I've found that the trick with the NCAA is to not expect anything. Therefore, you're never disappointed. I expect nothing from these people, and I get exactly what I expect every single day. So look. Golf clap for Charlie Baker. I, I wish you well. Why did they do this? Pretty obvious. And for those of you who are new to the watering hole here, um, the scene when it comes to the landscape, the, the battlefield, if you will, of collegiate athletics shifted from Indianapolis to Washington a long time ago. This is just them kind of acknowledging that's where the battlefield is now. We got to fight this thing in Washington. If we're going to get what we want, it's not happening in Indy anymore. 
It's got to happen in Washington. And we need someone who can bring people to the center aisle. And what do you do? Well, apparently their answer is, let's go find a Republican governor in an ultra blue state because he's got to know something about part bipartisanship, right? Sounds cool on the surface. That's, that's like when I fly over your city at 50,000 feet. They don't let commercial planes go that high. When I fly over your city at 38,000 feet, it looks great. Uh, but there's a lot of drama in that city down there. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of unsolved issues down there. Uh, there may be a, a plumbing back up there on 2nd Avenue. I can't see that from 48,000 feet. I can't even go that high, can I? My point is, this sounds so good. I bet it sounded so great. It looks good on a grease board. Um, this is not going to solve any of the issues that you face in college football. At least that's my humble opinion. Now, it's a college sports problem, college athletics problem. We're a college football show all year round. So I was listening to our buddy Andy Staples over on Feinbaum's show today. He had a great quote here. I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to echo it. So, Andy, I give you my tacit endorsement tonight. Quote, if you're relying on the federal government to produce the framework of rules your business will run by, you aren't doing it right. This is true about college athletics. It's true about your heating and air conditioning business. Don't wait on these people. Please don't put your faith in these people. It's like putting your faith in an umpire, only knowing they're going to blow the call. Umpires sometimes, referees sometimes get it right. These people will never get it right. I, um, I don't want to go too far down a political road. I'm just saying I don't have a lot of confidence that any of the announcements made today are going to be the answer to anything you and I talk about every day. However, this is where we just abruptly take a twist in the show tonight. I think we're gonna have some really good news on the horizon. And frankly, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with Charlie Baker. If he wants to take the credit for it, that's fine. I know where your head's at, because I talk to you guys every day. I have nothing else to do but converse with you. A lot of you, I mean, a lot of you are worried about NIL, and a lot of you are worried about the direction of the sport. That's okay. I'm right there with you. I have my own concerns as well. It's okay to be worried about the future of the sport you love. I would argue it's far less okay to be counting on federal government to come and save it for you. That's the move being made here with the new NCAA president. A lot of people are really banking on that being the gateway. And eventually we get to open that gateway and we get to legislative solutions. We get to federal solutions for college football. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's like walking up to the river. Look at that river. Look how it rages. How do we stop the river? The answer, friends, is you don't stop the river. That's the difference between government help and free enterprise help. And what's happening right now that you don't see, and I've had access to over the last week or two, because when I'm not on the air, I've dug on this fairly deeply. There are a lot of extremely smart people in the free market sector who are putting in a ton of hours working on some of the problems that college football faces right now. And a lot of the problems it faces right now are not going to be problems in five years. It will not be because the federal government solved it. It will not be, with all due respect, because Charlie Baker solved it. It will be because motivated, smart, entrepreneurial people in the free market figured out a way to solve it. I was talking to a head coach earlier today, and I said to him, a lot of what you're dealing with right now I think will be a non-issue in five years. He agreed. We had a little conversation about it. I fully believe this. And I've, I've um, learned a lot over the past month about this. You know, I didn't used to talk about NIL a lot. Uh, that's going to change around here. And I'll tell you why. Because I think for the first time, 
I'm sensing some motivation and movement, not on the federal side of things, but more on the free market side of things that are in the best interest of this sport. You see, you could either walk up to that river and you could look at it and say, how do we stop this river and waste the rest of your life trying to do the impossible? Or you can do the smart thing and say, how do we harness the river? You don't stop it, you harness it. Yeah, it's funny, when you look at a map of the United States, a lot of these big cities we have, they all happen to be close to rivers, close to waterways. Why is that? Because a long time ago, people figured out you don't stop the rivers. What you can do is harness them. And there is kind of a river running through college football right now. It's a financial river. It's money. It's the oldest motivator known to mankind. You're not stopping that. You can harness it, though. And you can harness it for the betterment of college football. Now, a lot of you, I understand, don't think that's possible. I do. What I don't think is possible is what we're doing right now to sustain itself. That's what I don't think is possible. The good news is I don't think it's going to have to be possible because I think you're soon going to find out, boy, there's some big changes coming to this sport. I'm not wasting your time tonight talking about it. This will come down the road. This is sort of a, a post-national championship discussion for us to have. But have it, we will. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that the sport is not exactly headed towards the edge of the cliff you think it's headed towards. So your greatest fears will be alleviated. The next thing you have to do is you've got to be open to reality. You've got to do what, frankly, I don't like doing with the playoff, and that is admitting where we are right now. And where we are right now and moving forward is really all you can worry about. I mean, you can't, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So I really, um, I've got a, a newfound confidence in where we're headed. Ironically, it has zero to do, though with the announcement that was made today. By the way, for the more jaded crowd out there, I'm not speaking to insult you, because all you have concerns about is college football, which is the same thing we have concerns about, same thing I have concerns about. So if you just have greater concern than me, if, if you happen to be a little less confident in the future of the sport than me, that's, that's okay. Obviously, we both hope that you're wrong. Um, I, think, I think you'll be okay on this. But for anyone out there who talks about how there's really no positive for NIL, I wouldn't go that far. I know most people have gotten off that bandwagon, but there's still some holdouts out there. Let me ask you, if you think there's no positive to NIL, have you noticed a precious lack of something lately? Look to the left, look to the right. What did you used to see when you woke up virtually every morning in college football? Somebody got arrested somewhere. Group of players in trouble somewhere. Someone's run afoul of the law somewhere. Have you guys noticed how the number of players in big trouble in college football has fallen off a cliff all of a sudden? Now, why is that? Why would it be that all of a sudden the percentage of our sport that's in trouble with the law has just, just precipitously dropped? Could it be that there may have been a benefit of NIL? And that is the simple fact that realizing you have real life skin in the game makes you live your life a little bit more careful, makes you grow up a little bit faster. Now, you may not like the byproduct. You may not like what sped up that maturation process, but I would argue speeding up the maturation process, never a bad thing. So that's one of several benefits we've had from NIL. I am going to do my very best to spell this out for you in the coming weeks and months. I just wanted to give you a little primer tonight. You can read the articles about the new NCAA president. You can listen to a bunch of these people who serve as mouthpieces for said four-letter organization, sort of parrot the same talking points, and that is, finally, federal help on the way. Or you can sit over here with us, laugh at it, and look for real solutions. 
There's plenty of room over here with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next up, I have to take a sip from the chalice because that segment went about three minutes, four minutes longer than I thought it would. Okay, we continue. What'd you say, Colin? Oh, okay. Colin wants you to do something. I do too. So we're on the same page here. We have a nice audience gathered. We only have 393 likes on this video. Uh, Colin and I both agree, and I would imagine Jesse too, although I don't want to speak for him. Uh, that's unacceptable, but I'm not going to get mad. I'm just going to kindly ask you to click that little thumbs up button if you're watching here live, or if you're watching the replay later. Thank you in advance. The transfer portal continues to be the main topic of conversation around college football water coolers these days, but there's something happening behind the scenes. So tonight, I'm going to give you three more names to look out for, but first, I want to tell you what the talk is. Um, when, the, when the window first opened up, we saw a lot of names go in. We had a big show here in the studio, and there was over a thousand names that went in nearly immediately, like on that first day. Now, the, the flow has slowed to a trickle. It will probably slow to more of a drip as Christmas gets closer but I want to talk to you about what's happening and what's being said behind the scenes. Here's the belief, a pretty consensus belief right now, and that is there is a second wave coming of transfer portal entries, and that's going to be probably after bowl games and definitely after the playoff. Here is your point of reference in the past. I was looking at this today. I had forgotten Georgia had nine kids go in the transfer portal last year. None of them, though, as far as I can remember, we're in the portal this time last year. Now, that reason is obvious. Georgia was not playing in the Tax Slayer Bowl, all due respect. Uh, they were playing, eventually, going to play for a national championship. They were in the college football playoffs, so those players weren't opting out. Well, let's think about what we have here for a second. We've got a landscape in the portal right now where a bunch of backup players and a few frontline players have gone in. And we already are starting to cover them. We're going to cover them more in a second. But the best teams still have very, very meaningful games coming up. Uh, not just the playoff. Like some of these big-time bowl games that we're just showing you the chart for, they're still coming up. Anybody who's going to transfer from those programs has not made their intention known yet. But here is the talk behind the scenes. Kirby Smart knows, in all likelihood, who he's losing to the portal from Georgia. Uh, Sonny Dykes knows if he's going to lose someone at TCU. Harbaugh knows if he's going to be losing guys who are contributing starting players right now off of his team at Michigan. And uh, Ryan Day, that's what they're doing right now. Or as soon as they get off the road recruiting, they will do their own due diligence. They'll know long before we do. So number one, pay attention to how those programs sign on signing day. And number two, you start to pay attention to how they start proactively trying to backfill their absences their open head spots on their scholarship list with kids. And then when the season ends and the big boys start losing their players, that's when that second wave is going to happen. Because that's what a lot of programs out there are waiting on. They're waiting to see who leaves Georgia. 
they're waiting to see who leaves Ohio State. Because there's such an abundance of talent there, and their twos could easily start for most of you. So watch that. Grayson McCall is the first player I want to talk to you about tonight because that's the number one quarterback in the portal right now. You've seen him play at Coastal Carolina, or at least you're, if you're a diehard fan of the sport you have. 24-2 to touchdown to INT ratio this year, but it gets a lot better than that. You think about his three years as a starter, really incredible numbers here. Here are his TD to interception ratio numbers over the past three years. 26-3, to 27-3, to 24-2. I had stats and info run the numbers. That is a 78-8 to touchdown to interception ratio over his three-year career as a starter. And by the way, three consecutive years, Sunbelt Player of the Year. That's never happened before. And now, 6'3", 215, he's on the open market. And there are rumors. In fact, I don't think it's a rumor. I just straight up just think he's going to visit Auburn this weekend. Keep an eye on that. I don't know if there are any other suitors out there, but keep an eye on that because if Hugh Freeze were to link up with Grayson McCall, Auburn just got several games better before they ever do anything else. Just him at quarterback, combined with the guy who's going to be calling the shots and calling the plays down there, makes them better. We'll see if anyone else throws their hat in the ring. Uh, J.Q. Hardaway. We were going to talk about him already today. He decided to go ahead and commit to Kentucky. Here's what you need to know. Luke Fickle got him out of Central Phoenix City. Go Red Devils. And, um, oh, look at that. I just saw footage from Garrett Harrison Stadium. Jesse, do you know how many nights I've been at Auburn High School here in Garrett Harrison Stadium? Oh, way too many to count. And this is not the best of a quality show that we're doing right now, but I just wanted to relive memories there for a second. Anyway, so J.Q. Hardaway plays down there at Central. He goes to Cincinnati, playing for Luke Fickle. He didn't play a lot this year. And then Fickle heads off to Wisconsin. So he enters his name into the transfer portal. He's 6'3", 200. I think we listed him as a safety. He played as a corner this year. That is a big, big body to be a corner. Quite frankly, I don't know what Kentucky's plans with him are. It would surprise me if he started at corner at 6'3", 200. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but he did commit to Kentucky today. Um, he was the number nine player in the portal. He was the number two corner in the portal. So good pickup for Mark Stoops and company. What about LJ Johnson? We haven't spoken about him yet. That's the big running back that was at Texas A&M. He's in the portal now. I was listening to Chris Hummer talk earlier today. Uh, he's pretty dialed in out there, especially with, with this particular player. He said, watch Oklahoma. You know, they need to fill the void left by players like Eric Gray. So watch them, watch SMU, and watch UCLA. Now remember, Chip Kelly and UCLA, they made that move to get Zach Charbonnet. He was an integral part of that UCLA offense this year. There is, there is a, lot of, um, a lot of smoke around that program, just, just in a good way. Pay attention to UCLA. I'm not telling you they lead for LJ Johnson, because I don't know that to be true. I'm just saying pay attention to them in general, they have a very, very keen understanding of how they have to go about things out there. Number 14 player, number one running back in the portal, LJ Johnson. This thing's going to heat up so much after Christmas and after some of these bowls start becoming complete, you're going to see more players go in. And then when we get into early January, uh, it's going to crescendo with a lot of players who intend to leave the playoff teams, leaving the playoff teams after the playoff is over. Paper pop. I don't really know why. That wasn't too emphatic, but we have to talk about a serious, serious matter here. 
And I have to take a sip from the chalice first. We, you and I, because we're responsible adults, we need to talk about how we handle information. What's the right way and the wrong way to disseminate information? Man, I hate this mic, Colin. Not, not your fault or the mic's fault. It's my shirt's fault. Um, okay, let's, let's just dive in. I think a lot of you have probably heard about these rumors and whispers around Georgia's Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, um, most recently made famous for picking Jaden Daniels up like a small child in the SEC championship game. You know, a man of a lesser character would have body slammed Jaden Daniels to the ground. But Jalen Carter's just not that kind of guy, is he? Or maybe he is. See, I'm not an anonymous person, so I have to speak responsibly of Jalen Carter. Not everyone fits that description. You keep your name anonymous, you can just trash this dude. Where's the evidence? We don't really have any evidence. It doesn't matter. We're anonymous. What am I talking about? Well, I'm going to show you a quote in just a second, but let me tell you how these things normally occur. I don't watch TV. When I tell you I don't watch TV, I mean I do not have a television in my apartment. I don't have one, period. The only TV I ever see is when the monitors are on in the office here. That's it. So I intentionally do not ingest any television. I live a very minimalist lifestyle. Uh, the best shows are out there. They're not in here. Although I do watch Yellowstone. And it really doesn't matter if you watch that or not because nothing happens in the episodes these days anyway. But here's what normally happens. When something gets said on one of these studio shows on another network or sometimes even our network, I don't find out about it until you DM me or you text me about it. And not everyone has my number, so mostly it's DMs. And that's exactly what happened when Todd McShay went on uh, whichever show it is they have about the NFL draft and he started speaking about Jalen Carter. Do we have the quote, Jesse? I want you to listen to this. Just picture Todd McShay's voice. With Carter, there are some character issues. Does he get along with everybody? What's he like to deal with in the locker room? Those sorts of issues. Huh. I know it's early in the process, but I'm forewarning everybody out there. Carter is going to be a hot-button name when we talk about some of the intangible aspects of it. Gasp. Uh, that will be brought into the discussion. I'm sorry, I didn't know the quote was over. We continue with the quote. It's not about his talent, his size, or his explosive takeoff or finishing as a pass rusher. It's about the character and do we want to bring that guy into the building. That's enough. <clears throat> Did you notice the first part of this quote? Does he get along with everybody? Who in the world is draftable by that standard? Do you get along with it? I don't get along with everybody here. I get to work here. Fortunately, I don't get along with everybody here. Um, here's the problem. I got, a, I got a big issue with how this stuff, for lack of a, a more appropriate term, is handled. It happens every draft season. And um, you might be fooled into thinking because someone's on TV, they know more about these folks than you do. Actually, it's the opposite. The mock draft community does not learn about these guys nearly as early as you do. Now, here's what I am not going to do. So from this point forward in this segment, this is sort of a general point of view. I'm not going to direct it at Todd McShay. I, the, I don't doubt he heard something about Jalen Carter. I don't doubt that. I, I have far greater doubts that it's legitimate, but I don't doubt he heard anything. I just got a problem with how the whole thing's handled. I got a really big problem 
with how this anonymous intel is handled, especially when it comes to NFL draft season and with college kids. I understand how anonymous sourcing works. I understand how it's sometimes very necessary to do quality journalism. This is not quality journalism. Uh, this is the NFL draft and it's rumors about a college kid which give him no recourse. I, I guarantee you if I set Jalen Carter here right now and you were to say, well, we, we have to keep it anonymous to protect the integrity of the player, uh, he would say, no, no, go ahead and share exactly what you have. Give me every single detail. And you'd probably curl up in the fetal position in a corner somewhere, which you should. I don't think there's much to this at all. That's what I woke up thinking this morning. Then I did some digging today. Now I'm really sure there's nothing to it at all. Uh, what I think you probably have is you've got a gross misunderstanding of what character concerns actually are. Your character concern is an NFL GM's green check mark. You see, because when normal folks talk about character, they're talking about it in the normal world. Football's not the normal world, guys. Locker rooms are not the normal world, and the field of play is not a normal world. It takes different people to play this game. That's why most of you can't. And it's why you pay big money to go watch the ones who can, or you watch on TV and you, you marvel at the guys who can. You don't have a normal mentality to play this game. So everyone talks about character. And when you see a guy that doesn't carry himself exactly like the nine to five accountant does at your local firm, uh-oh, mm, maybe a little rough around the edges there. He better be. He better be, or he's going to put his life in danger on that football field if you play the level that Jalen Carter plays at, at least. Here's the other part of this. No one ever talks about competitive character. Like, everyone's talking about character this and character that, and you're, you're trafficking in anonymous sourcing and intel that you probably can't verify. What about competitive character? Why don't they talk about it? Because they don't understand it. Most of them have no clue what competitive character is because most of them have not been in the arena. And when you've been in the arena, you look at that word character a totally different way. You see, if I'm lining up next to Jalen Carter and he mouths off to someone in warm-ups, I don't care. You may put a great big X on his forehead. I can promise you nothing about him doing that is going to deter his ability to dominate at the next level. You may look at him skipping out on class and you may say, uh-oh, red flag. Well, it's a red flag if you're trying to get a law degree. This dude's trying to get a degree in football. Not that I'm making excuses for missing class. I'm just telling you when you do your due diligence on Jalen Carter, this is about the extent of the wrongdoing and the character issues you're going to find from him. Here's the other issue that I have a lot, and you got to be very careful with this one. A lot of people want to apply 50-year-old standards to 20-year-old people. Like if you're 50 years old, you have a lifetime of lessons that you've learned and you got a lifetime, hopefully, of wisdom that you've acquired and accumulated. They don't. They don't. So they don't make the same decisions all the time that you do. That doesn't mean it's a character concern. It means the last thing on this planet you would want is the book opened up on you at 20 years old. And you're not living under that white hot microscope spotlight. So my point here is, I don't think there's an ounce of legitimate concern around Jalen Carter. I think it's BS when people quote that kind of stuff anonymously. If you've got specifics, you don't have to out your source, but man up and either say what you know or just don't traffic in it. The draft's not tomorrow. Christmas isn't even tomorrow. The draft's like five months away. So at the very least, if I'm about to go and put a kid's future earnings potential on the line because I've got a massive platform with which to say anything I want, 
The last thing I'm about to say, he's got character concerns. That's all I can say, though. If that's all you can say, don't say it at all. At least that's my take. And that is our NFL draft show for the night. Pathetic. <clears throat> Next up, they're watching us in Warrington, Virginia tonight. I hope they're still watching us. They're watching us in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Wilson, North Carolina. These are our players, man. I don't watch the NFL a lot. So, like, the college level, that's, that's, that's where I interact with these guys most of the time. And it's not their world. It's, it's our world. And so I get a little defensive when that crew starts baselessly and namelessly attacking kids in our world. They're kids to me. Yes, they're, they're conveniently Jalen Carter is just a child right now. We have to protect him. Bold predictions. Bold predictions have, um, have gone the way of you over the last couple of shows. And it's not going to change tonight because a couple of you nailed some big ones again. So, Colin, here's your end point. To remind you, well, here's your end point. Bold predictions revisited. We got to grade these things. We can't just let you predict things in August and then not revisit it. And it's good news for some of you because you really, really were on the money a lot more than I thought you were. Let's start with the first. How about Dustin saying USC's offense will finish the season 30 spots higher in terms of points per game than Oklahoma's? Survey says, nailed it. USC actually finished 33 spots higher. This was very prophetic, by the way, on the part of Dustin. He said they're going to finish 30 spots higher. USC, 33 spots higher in terms of point per game. Now, I don't believe in the caveat system, but if I did believe in it, I would say, now Dustin, Dylan Gabriel did get hurt for Oklahoma. Now Dustin, things sure did change after that. I mean, for example, uh, I know it may be hard to believe, but it hurt Oklahoma to lose 49 to nothing to Texas. That really dampened their points per game statistic output. And uh, they, they struggled several games thereafter. So, uh, Dustin, you win. No caveats. You win. That's how I have to wrap that up. Next up, this one got sad in a hurry. Scott Frost, kickoff with Kenneth, said Scott Frost will not make it to season's end. He didn't even make it to September's end, I don't think, as it turns out. In fact, he was really done before week one. Because Nebraska played a week zero game in Ireland, no less. And uh, they lost to Northwestern. How bad is that, by the way? I don't want to just glance over that or gloss over that. Nebraska lost to Northwestern to start the season. Northwestern proceeded to go 1-11. and their only win was against Nebraska. That is horrific. They lost to Southern Illinois and Miami of Ohio. They just boom, boom, rattled off 0 and 11. That's all right, though. We got some, somewhere, somewhere there's a family, and it's one of those house-divided things, and it's Northwestern and Nebraska, and somewhere, mark my words, a Northwestern fan said, I don't care if we go 1 and 11 as long as that one win is against Nebraska. You got it, buddy. You, happy Christmas in Evanston. You got it. You got it. Um, I saw a 3-0 start headed into the Oklahoma game. I thought this was a bad prediction. I thought Scott Frost was going to make it. I thought the opening portion of their schedule was workable enough. And I thought they were going to be 3-0 against Oklahoma. And even if they lost to Oklahoma, I thought they'd be okay. Because when you say this schedule out loud, Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma. 
Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota. It just, it sounds like at least there's a, there's a five and four or a, or a six and three open to the season. No, there was not at all. And um, one little more trinket, one little more nugget of information, courtesy of Late Kick Stats and Info, or as you might know him, producer Jesse, Northwestern scored 31 against Nebraska. Northwestern scored 35 points in their final five games of the season. Gross. God bless you, Matt Rule. Good luck to you. Next up, Alabama. Preseason favorite to win the national championship and all that and everything in between. Well, Big Cam said Alabama was going to win the West and the second place team was going to be three or more games behind them in the standings from Gulf Shores, Alabama. Obviously, Bama didn't even win the West, so you may think, oh, Cam was off. Well, yes, he was. But here's the funny thing. The rest of the SEC West pretty much did what he needed it to do. It's just that Alabama didn't. Because the rest of, I mean, LSU went to Atlanta with two conference losses and lost a third, obviously, in the conference title game. So if, if I were to just shift the ending of LSU-Alabama, Alabama probably wins the West. They win it by a couple of games. And who knows what happens if I shift the ending of the Tennessee game. My point is, Cam was both way off and not all that far off. Uh, that translates to Cam blew his prediction. I call that a seven and a half on the boldness scale for the record. Next up, this one was an eight on the boldness scale for me. I think it's pretty obvious why. Alex said, Clemson and Oklahoma will miss out on their conference championship games again. Because famously, the year before, we had Clemson not even playing for the ACC. OU not even playing for the Big 12. We had, we had, Oklahoma, we had Ohio State, as they did again this year, not play for the Big Ten championship game. So Clemson and OU not playing for the conference title. See, that was, that was the problem for me. Because I looked at it and I said, I could see Oklahoma not making it. There's a... There's a Competitive balance in the Big 12, the ACC does not have. Uh, there is a ton of turnover in that Oklahoma program that Clemson, at least to that degree, did not have. And I was right. Clemson was minus 190 to make the conference title game at the beginning of the year. And they made it. And they didn't even have the best of years. That, that just shows you how, how in, unlikely, I guess, this prediction was. Uh, the Clemson not making it was always going to be the issue. So Clemson made it. This one went down the drain. Next up, this one looked like it was on the way to cashing, and I don't know what in the world happened. Or maybe I, I have some theories as to what happened. I'm not ready to float them yet. How about this one? Oklahoma State finally wins the Big 12 under Mike Gundy. This was such a tale of two halves this year. Listen to these point totals. So at one point, Oklahoma State was first in the Big 12, their first seven games, here are their point totals, 58, 34, 63, 56, 41, 40, and 41. Then something happened there in Stillwater, and their final five games, they scored 0, 16, 20, 13, and 19. I witnessed when it all went wrong, because need I remind you, what I thought was going to be one of the most competitive games on the Every Given Saturday Tour this year turned out to be the biggest blowout that we will ever see, hopefully, in person. 
and that was Oklahoma State at Kansas State. 48 to nothing was the final score. Um, that was tough to watch. That was, a, that was a Sarah McLaughlin special to end all Sarah McLaughlin specials. Uh, they started 5-0. and They lost to TCU. They beat Texas, so they're 6-1 there. And then they lost at Kansas State, at Kansas, at Oklahoma, West Virginia. It was just abysmal. So uh, they did not end up even playing for the conference championship game. They didn't win it. But boy, for all the world, I thought, I, I, like I, I picked them. I picked them to beat Kansas State and thought that that was going to be sort of the, the point where they solidified themselves as one of the participants in the Big 12 championship game. And instead, it started a disastrous slide to utter irrelevance. And now they've had a lot of kids leave, including the starting quarterback, Spencer Sanders. I don't really know what to make of what is about to happen with Oklahoma State football. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see there. We have a Twitter question that falls right in line with something that happened today. So we'll go ahead and tee it up. I think a lot of you were paying attention earlier, and you probably saw, uh-oh, Miami made a big move today, didn't they? Well, here's the thing. I'll just read the question, and then I'll get into it. Zane from Fort Lauderdale said, thoughts on Miami's recruiting momentum. Yeah, it's momentum. But Zane, it would be irresponsible of me to start the story on December 15th. Why start the story present day when I can start the story on, let's say, Sunday, March 27th? Yeah, I got good news and bad news for you. The good news is I don't really hold grudges. The bad news is producer Jesse does. And so producer Jesse took it upon himself to prepare a helpful soundbite from our show on March 27th. And I made a statement on that show, and it was, at the time, thought to be very controversial. And some of you, I don't want to name names, that's not what we're here to do, but some of you even took to dragging me pretty thoroughly, torching me pretty thoroughly in the comments and on Twitter. And um, I, I am nothing if not responsible, so I had to keep the receipts. Roll it, Colin. Let's define where the bar has been set. I've set it really high. I won't back away from that. I've set the bar for Miami's first full recruiting cycle under Mario Cristobal really high. And the first full cycle, meaning this one that we're in right now. They still managed to sign the best major class in the state of Florida this past cycle, and they were on campus like 10 minutes. So they ended up doing that. I think they were 15th, somewhere in the mid-teens. Now what are they going to do with their first full cycle? My expectation is they will flirt with a top five class every cycle, and that's including Breaking this. news, Miami has the number three class in the country. How did that happen? Well, here's what happened. Mario Cristobal is a psychopathic recruiter. He has no bowl game to prepare for him. He's got full NIL alignment, and the only thing he has to do down there is recruit. I went to South Florida last week. It was 83 degrees. I came back with a mild sunburn. The rest of the country is miserable. Do you know how relatively easy it is for a guy who loves it anyway to recruit this time of year when he doesn't have a bowl game to prepare for and he's got playing time out the wazoo to offer? So I thought that was common sense. It apparently wasn't. And a lot of people said, Miami's time for recruiting in the top five has long since passed. No, it hasn't. Are you crazy? You're giving kids in South Florida the chance to stay home. So anyway, here's what happened today. They landed their second five-star offensive tackle of the cycle in Samson Okanlola, and he, look, the guy had a stack of pancakes on the table, 
and devoured them as he committed, which I don't even have a problem with. I think it's probably the most first-class way you can commit to a program, or for that matter, anything worthwhile in life. Commit and then eat pancakes. Like, how how simple is it? I have zero questions about his character just because he did that. So they've got him. They've got, uh, they've got some really good tackles now. So they've got a couple of five-star offensive tackles. They've got a couple of top 100 defensive linemen. They're still in it for some more kids. The class is currently ranked number three, and it has been fun to watch, but it's been polarizing to watch. So what do you think about Miami recruiting now? I didn't ask whether you like them. Actually, why not? Do you like Miami recruiting? And then I hear collectively about 90% of the country yell, no. And then I hear about 10% from South Florida yell out even louder, we don't care. And uh, that both of those things are true. So here's what's happening right now. There is no more polarizing recruiting brand in college football currently than the Miami Hurricanes. They don't care. They shouldn't care because the way they're going about things is totally allowed. And so if you've got a problem with it, your problem may very well be with your own program more so than theirs. Or maybe you're a little upset about the current structure and landscape of the sport. Whatever the case is, what I'm just here to suggest to you is you're not seeing them do anything you wouldn't also do if you were in charge at Miami. You're just not. And if you're not a Canes fan, you probably hate them. There is no in-between. And so that's where the emotion is right now. I, I don't fit into either camp. I just sit here at this desk and I look across the landscape and I try and find out who's about to pop. Been pretty obvious since the day they hired Cristobal, the program's going to pop. But it's not obvious to everyone. And especially it was not obvious during this season. Remember five and seven? It just happened. Remember Middle Tennessee State? Like, remember them struggling to score? Colin, do we have their schedule? We may not have prepared that. Uh, Miami had a a horrendous season this year. And to his credit now, Mario Cristobal didn't really hide from it. In fact, he did some local media down there. We played one of the clips from one of the radio hits he did where he just flat out said, no, it's not easy right now at all. It's not fun. We're going to fix it. There's not a doubt in my mind we're going to fix it. I don't have a doubt in my mind he's going to fix it. I just am pretty surprised at how how thoroughly some people have underestimated what can be done today in college football by a program as desperate as Miami. This doesn't even have to take a long time. And they get to recruit this way. They get to leverage the portal, however hard they want to leverage it. I had people telling me weeks ago, not years ago, weeks ago, this program's dead on arrival. You can't be this bad and rescue it. Remember that that refrain, that talking point from this year? There's no excuse for them to be this bad. Well, I participated in that. There was no excuse for them to be that bad. But see, here's what I was able to do. I was able to kind of crack the fortune cookie. I was able to disconnect what's happening right now and what will happen there two years from now, because I think they'll be totally different products. I don't think there is a thing about them struggling mightily at home against inferior teams this year that I'll even remember two years from now. Well, I'll remember it, but I certainly won't be referencing it. It's not even going to be the same team, not even remotely the same team. Uh, You're currently seeing that team put together right now, and it's going to be, they're going to be good, guys. They're going to be really good. You can still have doubts if you want to about how they'll handle themselves 
in the heat of battle, in close games on Saturdays in the fall. I get all that. I get where it comes from. I'm not even here to litigate that tonight. What I am here to do is remind you, first off, we were right. Got to say it. We were right. We will continue to be right. They're not slowing down. They're going to recruit like this. That's just going to happen. Uh, they are going to attract talent. It's, I'm told every day it's a talent acquisition business. Well, they're in the business of acquiring talent right now, and they're doing it at an extremely high level. That won't stop, and they're going to be a winning program down the road. Don't know if it's one mile or 10 miles, but they're going to be a winning program. So the question was, what do I think about the momentum? That's what I think about the momentum. It's going exactly as I thought it would go. I, I didn't know they'd be that bad on the field this year, but I can promise you, I didn't think those results were, maybe that's it, Jesse. We were, Jesse and I were talking about this earlier today, about how people were so convinced recruiting was just going to tank because the season tanked. That's where the disconnect was. This is the danger of doing a live show because you just get new ideas live and it sounds messy. Some, I want to know if this is true. Did some of you think that Miami's season was so bad recruits would be turned off? Did you think that? That's probably where a lot of the surprise right now comes from. Because that was never going to happen. They could have lost two more games than they did. The kids they're getting now looked at this season and just laughed at it like you and I did. The difference is they said, it ain't going to happen when I'm there. I'll be the reason this never happens again. And frankly, guys, when you've got Mario Cristobal recruiting, that's not even a hard message to sell. That's why they've been so confident when you've listened to him talk down there. He never had an ounce of concern about what was going to happen in recruiting. In fact, he knew that the poor results on the field were probably, if anything, if anything, going to be ammunition for them in recruiting, which it has been. So I'm, I'm impressed by it. I'm not surprised by it. That's, this is the way it was always going to happen. Uh, I've got to remind you guys, like the video, because we're almost at 1,000. Hunger strike, I'm not going to eat till we get to 1,000. We're like 40 away. Look at, uh, oh. Stomach's growling. Man, I know. Oh, oh, hold on, Jesse. Hold on. I got to turn my IFB up for the breaking news. Okay, go ahead. Texas has landed five-star Anthony Hill. They have now jumped in the top five of the 24-7 sports team rankings. Do I have that right? Texas now has the most five stars in the country, don't they? Texas now has the most five stars in the country. As of today, it was like a four-way tie. It was Bama, Texas, USC, and Miami. And now, Sark, as our buddy Trey Stanley Scott would say, there's a Sark in the water. His words, not mine. So there you go. How about that? Some breaking recruiting news to end the show. And we got to 1,000 likes. I can eat after all. That's good because we ordered out today. Tzatziki's, Tzatziki's Thursday. Appreciate you guys so much. Uh, make sure you are subscribing, not just to our channel. Um, we had like 8,000, 8,500 people tuned in to the commitment today of Samson Okanlola. You really need to be subscribed to that 24-7 sports channel. We've got a nine-hour signing day show coming up next week. And uh, I still got to book my travel. just reminded me. So make sure you're subscribed there because it kind of indirectly helps our show out too. Do it for us. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for us. So uh, obviously a lot going on. Make sure you're subscribed and following on the socials at Lake Kick Josh. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Bate. Take care. Have a great rest of your evening. We'll be back here Sunday night, same time. Until then, God bless.